0: So hello, this is the Skinny the Strong Guy Talk podcast, and today we have on Phil Graham. Phil Graham's been a mentor of mine. Uh, to be honest, I probably wouldn't be where I am right now without this guy. Um, I've got a lot of information in regards to coaching. Yeah. He actually, he actually plugged me to do this and pushed me to, to get on this, to give out this information. So it's an absolute honor to have him on. And I know that you guys are going to get a lot of information, a lot of advice here. And stuff that's really going to help you um, overcome any struggles. Um, so yeah, Phil, who are you if anyone hasn't heard of you? And what have you done to get to where you are now?
1: Ben, thank you very much for the kind words, my man. It's been an absolute pleasure seeing you grow over the last two years. Uh, You put your heart and soul into your training, and I've seen everything you've done with your business and how focused and dedicated you are in your service. And, you know, you don't really see that much nowadays. I mean, the industry is absolutely saturated. Everybody wants to be a personal trainer, and... It's like I always say to anyone that I mentor, anyone that I work with, around about 3% of the whole industry actually make it into a career that they love and actually help a lot of people. And you're doing exactly that. So well done to you, Bud. And this podcast is helping serve a lot of young guys and giving them really good nuggets for building an inspiring, good quality life. So hats off to you, big man. So, my story, where do I begin? (laughs) Right. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll chunk it down because I, I can talk, man. I can talk forever. Um, right. First of all, when I was 16, I was an overweight kid. I wasn't obese in any way. I was out of shit. I didn't exercise. Um, my diet was atrocious. My lifestyle was not in any way congruent with what it is now. And long story short, when I was 16, I was on the bus to school one day. And we had this group of lads that went... On the bus, and every single morning we'd stop off and get a fry somewhere. And I went to the same school as you So uh, you can imagine what those kind of crowds were like we went then and we got a fry, and like people were throwing soda bread and all sorts of stuff, and you know, putting too much sugar in each other's teas and all that kind of crap. But my dad was really unhealthy, and I remember this one distinct day when I was going to school, and I noticed looking out of the windows in the bus that I couldn't really see the registration plates, and I was like, what the hell's going on? My eyes are really, really blurry. So it wasn't long until we got in and we had the fry. And then after the fry, we would go around to Sentra and we would stock up on sweets. And then we would go over to school. And I noticed that I was going to the toilet a lot. And this uh, this vision problem started to get even worse. And I was going to the toilet like literally every 10 minutes. So I thought it was like a virus or something like that. and said to my mom about it, she says, oh, you probably have something. And we left it a few days. And I, some, I knew in my gut something wasn't right. And long story short, I went to the doctors with my mom and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, okay? That was a, a point where I started to see my mom cry. She started to like break down, go oh, no, 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 And then I started to realize, oh shit, this is pretty bad. I didn't really know what diabetes was, but judging by my mom's reaction, I was sort of like, okay, right, something's up here and I'm going to need to do something about it. So long story short, I remember the first consultation. And this is a, an integral part in my journey. Uh, the reason why I'm bringing it up. I remember going down the hallway. This like really cold clinical hallway with these like like olive green doors, and going into this room to speak to this consultant. And we were talking obviously about the diagnosis and what I needed to do with my life, and blah blah blah. And um, I always remember the language that that individual used, and it was along the lines of. You could, you might, you possibly could. There is a chance. And I was really young at the time, but I took inspiration from those words. And the the inspiration that I took was that there was hope and there was answers and there was a solution. And I looked at all the variables that could have been controlled. And they were lifestyle, stress management, nutrition, exercise, and obviously diabetes medication. So when I was walking out, my mom was like balling, ball her eyes. And in my head, I was like processing all this stuff. And I was like, right, in my life now, I'm going to have to make nutrition, training, stress management, lifestyle management, and diabetes medication the central parts of my life. I'm going to have to educate these to the point where I thoroughly understand them so that I get full control and ownership of what I'm doing. And from that very minute, I started reading. I started studying. I had no experience at the gym. I threw myself in the deep end and went to the gym and i was this overweight kid coming into this meathead gym at the time whenever i joined and i remember like coming into the gym and seeing all these like jacked up guys at the back like lifting 60s and 70s and shit over their head and i was like holy fucking god like what am i gonna do here um and i remember going on the recumbent bike and just sitting doing like a few pedals and shit right and um i remember a guy came up to me and walked up to me this big meathead he was like covered in sweat and stuff and he tapped the bike and he went this is going to be the best choice you make, kid." And, from that moment on, that, that, all these points inspired me to dig deeper and dive deeper. And long story short, I became obsessed with training. I became obsessed with nutrition. And I had a pretty big motivator. The motivator for me was staying alive. So I would have rather sat in on a Saturday night, studied physiology, studied training, studying everything. I sacrificed my whole social life to learn all these integral parts of building a great looking body. And that tied in cohesively with my goal of managing my diabetes and then the new goal, which came in about bodybuilding and competing. So you can imagine that I wanted to compete. I wanted to win, but I also had the drive that I didn't want to die. (laughs) So this was a very, very strong level of inspiration for me to read, to study, to apply. And throughout that time period, I can remember, like, I was, like, traveling to see coaches, I was reading, and back then information was very hard to get, you had to travel to the other side of the world and pay big money, you didn't really have Skype, uh, you had email, but you really had to pay big money to get information, and, like, I studied and studied and studied, and then all of a sudden, like, my ship started to transform, and uh, at the time, I was making a career, a, a career choice just after leaving school, and Uh, I decided to go and study nutrition at Queen's University, and the nutrition for me, I was magnetized to it, because I was learning everything about health and physiology, and I was learning to understand my condition, how I could control it with all these essential values that I picked up from that early diagnosis, so I was training, and I I, I built a great physique, I built a great level of strength, and I did a lot with that, I mean, I can not make... Not many of you guys know because social media wasn't really big back then. Bebo and stuff is pretty big. But, I mean, I competed just over 23 times. And I would never placed outside the top th- – I placed outside the top three once. Um, actually, no, twice, twice, twice. And out of all those times, I, I picked up a lot of medals. I picked up a lot of first-base trophies. And I was automatically known as the go-to guy in the gym for nutrition because I was studying it, I, you know, at the gym at a very young age. It, you know my peer group has always been older than me. I've always been around, like, my peer group has always been 10, 15, 20 years older than me, and uh, that's why some people say I'm like a 60 year old man, or like a you know, a, a 29 year old body. Um, and mind you, I'm 39, I still like to say I'm 29. Um, so I, I was known, I was always talking about nutrition, I was always talking about training, and people started to ask me about diet plans and training programs. And At that time, I was was working in food technology this is like probably uh in the midst of my university degree i was working i worked as a food technologist so like we studied clinical nutrition but we also studied a lot of food science so food manufacturing food product development uh germs and uh pathogen control and all that kind of stuff um and organoleptic testing and all the stuff involved in food manufacturing which was also a very big interest of mine um and long story short, I, I, I came to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm getting asked that much to coach people, train people, do programs. And I know a few other people that are doing this and they're making actually quite good money, but they're not getting nowhere near as much interest as I am. And I'm just talking about stuff that I love. So at that point, I was uh, in the middle of a, I'd actually moved from the food technology into the National Health Service and I was working within a health promotion and it just didn't glue with me because I realized that I had like a ceiling of what I could actually say, uh, a lot of red tape around what I could say. And I knew that I never really could get accountability to the clients that I was working with because I was working in very economically challenged areas where there was a lot of smoking, a lot of obesity, uh, just a real lack of understanding about how to eat and how to live. Um, and that's actually what my dissertation was on, was on food poverty and food education and all that kind of stuff. And you'll see a lot of that Health promotion sort of feels still like within my work or within my words and everything that I say. So, you know, from that perspective, I, I decided to take a plunge and I went through know what? I'm not going to work a nine to five. I'm going to start building my own business and it's going to be revolving around personal training and coaching and nutrition. And I always had a very, I was always an entrepreneur. I mean, I was always selling stuff from like, like you know, a like guy fucking had a, excuse my French, I had a, uh, the pick and mix shop from when I was like I think 14 or 13, like, like from the house on so pick and mix right through to, you know, I had a, a very successful uh, whey supplement um, and uh, business in school. I mean, you went to Inst, right. And, you know, like I literally had like, you know, like underneath the, what do you call it, The big quad. Yeah. Yeah. Like I literally yeah. had bags of like whey protein and protein bars and stuff stacked. Like these were my <laughs> stashes and like guys were making orders I mean, yeah, like, goodness. from that early, like, I like I had my mom and stuff driving in and, like, dumping stuff, and, you yeah. know, yeah. I was running a, like, full-on, like, like I was selling maybe 20 tubs of protein a week in school, never mind all the little <laughs> in-betweeners, and, you know, I used to get, like, all the stuff, like, discounted from these supplement stores because I was buying so much, and I was like, right, like, okay, this is recurring, so I eventually got it on top which basically means I wasn't paying for it until I actually made the money. So, like, I was never really out any capital, and I built relationships to allow me to facilitate that. And so, like, I really enjoyed the hustle of it, and I was selling stuff that I actually knew about, and I knew a lot about it, and people were asking me for diet programs on top of it. So I was, like, upselling the protein yeah. and all the supplements in conjunction with the programs. And, you know, like, I was a, a pretty successful, like, 18-year-old, moving into university and, uh, from a business perspective on just that low no scale, I mean, I never really took it seriously. I, yeah. I wasn't really interested in the money. It was more sort of like, okay, I'm getting paid to do something that I love and something that I talk about. And these guys are like willing to give me money. So let's do it. So, you know, I never really had a, a vision of expanding that, I suppose, until really I hit sort of 24, 25. Um, but long story short, I went and competed. I did all the stuff. I did the magazines. I was in muscle and fitness twice i was in flex i've been in uh, pretty much my article a seven page article still gets published to this day uh like just the other like what six months ago it was in like the philippinian muscle and fitness um and you know like I, I did all that i did the competing and i loved it but i had a massive love here I, I loved it to a degree but i had a massive love relationship with it um at the time, and I think this is very relevant and important for a lot of the guys listening, because a lot of you guys will start training with no real interest in developing yourself. You will do it from the perspective of trying to impress others and appear significant in life. And that's a very straight-up, hard-hitting statement. Some of you it may apply to, and some of you it may not. But generally, most young men start training to pack on muscle to appear significant. And, you know, I was in a peer group where you know, everybody around me was, like, t- three times the size of me, you know, like, I was, <laughs> they were, like, doormen at the weekend, it was a very real man's crowd, and I, I grew up with that, and, you know, I was, a, I was, I was, like, the smart kid, but also, like, the sort of, like, you know, in between, like, I had a bit of street sense on book sense, so, um, I felt that I, in order to fit in, I needed to really pack on this muscle. And of course, during that stage, you know, we were starting relationships and we we're starting to doing all this stuff. And I thought, well, Hey, you know, chicks are going to like me better if I pack on some muscle. And, you know, you know, that came true a few times, but you know, the, the reality is there's a large part of me that was training for diabetes, but there was a, another part of me that was training to appear significant. And, you know, now in my life. I am probably the least connected to my training than I ever have been, but I'm the most successful and happiest in my life. Yeah. And back then when I look back, I was so connected to the physical aspect of building myself, but I had other areas of my life that I neglected. And what you typically find in a man is a man is very connected to his physical side and his wealth side, but he neglects other aspects like family, family, uh, social, uh, you know, wealth building, um, you know, mental development, all these other things. And you normally find females are very connected with, you know, family, uh, you know, the concept of bringing up kids, their their beauty, their social circle. And you know, I was very extreme. I was very polarized in this bodybuilding uh, focus. You know, I didn't want to do anything but build muscle, train, and look massive, and for everyone to tell me that I was massive. And uh, you know, that for me now. I looked at that and I was not doing that authentically for myself. I was putting myself through a lot of pain. I was doing a lot of shows. And I mean, a lot of the shoes that I was competing in, I was getting sponsored. I was getting paid and I had an expectation placed upon me to do them. So when you begin to live your life in the values of other people and expectations, you can never be authentic. And that came crashing down one day when I got injured. And, you know, I got injured and what I actually realized, it tore my pec and, you know, I realized at that moment in the ambulance and the way to the hospital that I don't have anything else underneath this to back me up. Yeah. I've spent my whole life committed to building this one Avenue. And you know what? It's now on ice. What do I do because I can't train tomorrow? What do I do because all the physiology, all the nutrition, all the training stuff I'm reading and I've spent my life reading, what can I do with it now? Yeah. And I didn't quite understand that. So when you, we talk about the concept of energy, energy, never You know, it can't be created, can't be destroyed. It only changes from one form into another. My energy at that moment was all in bodybuilding for myself, which was largely driven by the values of other people and to a degree diabetes. I'll be openly honest and say that a lot of it was coming from, you know, the my expression of my young, immature self to the world and to try and get significance for that. But there was a degree of diabetes in there too. But I literally was not doing it for myself and over time it began to feel less authentic less authentic it began to get more painful more challenging and yeah i was competing like i competed nine times in one year i did the mr britain i did the junior mr universe i did the you know junior mr world i did these all these shows back to back and you know if you know anything about bodybuilding bodybuilding is like you know extreme so you know my body fat was low i was in i was still i was still trying to deliver a service and you know there was a lot of stuff going on but when i got that injury I realized right I need to do something different. So it was from that moment of perception when I had that injury that I started to take my career a little bit more seriously. And you I see started, you see at that yeah.
0: you see at that point, right. So a lot of the guys who are gonna be listening to this they are they're gonna to start to think, right, what's gonna happen in the next ten years? Where am I gonna put the, the where am I where am I gonna put my energy? Um, where am I gonna get financial stability? Where am I gonna um be able to provide for kids and things like that? What what advice would you say to them uh, when they're going towards and they're thinking about that, that sort of stability in that long term, um and kind of growing
1: from a a, a lad and a, a boy to a man? Well, I mean, in terms of like planning for your life, I mean, you have to be doing something that you value. So if you look at my life, for example, and you ask me what my values were, it's very crystal clear. My values are health and fitness, entrepreneurship and personal development. If you look at my life, that's exactly what my life demonstrates. All my friends are in those circles. All my money is created in those circles. Anything I talk about, my expertise, my intelligence, my my whole life is based around those areas. And those areas to me, are what I love doing. Now, those areas will shift in priority. Some of health and fitness was at the top one time, it's probably a third at the bottom now. Entrepreneurship and personal development are at the top. So, you have to first of all identify what it is that you actually value. And that can be very simply identified by just looking at your life right now and looking at your results. Where do you spend most of your time? What do you internally dialogue about? What do you vision about? Who are your friends? What are they involved in? And look at the particular subjects. And when we talk about values, I don't mean values like oh, I like, I like trustworthiness, I like, uh, you know, just want to be happy, um, it's integrity. They're not really values in a sense. Values is what I mean in subjects or areas that you love doing. And if you look at all those particular areas in in your life, a value comes from a perceived void. So health and fitness, was that a, a void in my life at one particular time? Yes, did I commit myself to a set of activities and knowledge and experience that was allowing me to build Health and fitness, yes, that's why I value it. Entrepreneurship, Well, I started in school, I didn't really have any sense about business, but I was doing it and I wanted to scale it, so I considered that a boy. Personal development, you know, the amount of personal development that I had to do on myself in order to have the responsibility and management of diabetes is significant, and I never really talk about it, but put it this way, my pancreas is manual, or sorry, my, my insulin administration to accommodate the drop in insulin secretion from my pancreas, which is what diabetes is, is manual. So I have a very tight window to operate my life on. And that requires an immense amount of discipline. And if you know me as an individual, you know, I'm very strict to the point, very methodical, get stuff done kind of guy. And a lot of that stems from the discipline that I've applied to my diabetes management that's applied to my other areas of life. If you knew me in bodybuilding, that's all I cared about. If you knew me in business, that's all I cared about. And so, so I'm very focused on, you know, making sure that I get a result with something. And that result has to line up with your values. So what I would say to all the guys is look at your life. What does your life demonstrate? Like, you know, a lot of guys, like put it this way, this is a perfect example. You talked about there being a lot of guys going to university and going and doing careers and then coming out of university. It's a hard thing to say, but the majority of people go into university because of parental guidance, because of societal norms. And they feel that they have to go in to be a doctor, lawyer, barrister, chartered surveyor in order to meet societal norms. And they're going to have a successful life. They're going to work nine to five. They're going to earn 50 grand a year. And that's going to be life. Well, the reality is, what's that based off? Society. And the last time I checked, society wasn't really that great. So when you actually look at taking ownership of your own life and looking at the values in your life and what actually means something to you at one point in your life, you know, whether that was health and fitness. Health and fitness has obviously been a void in your life. That's why you value it. So it's demonstrated in your service. And there's nothing better to be doing in the world than doing something that you truly love, that's something that helps serve other people, and most importantly, serves you. And that's a very important distinction to make, Ben, because when you realize that a business entrepreneurship is ultimately the best possible quest that you could ever do in the world because you're serving other people and you're serving yourself, you literally own your time, you create, you inspire, and you lead. And whenever it comes to true entrepreneurship, you have to have a balance of altruism and and narcissism. And we hear a lot of people talk about, Oh, but you know, I just want to help people. I just want to do this. I just want to do that. You have to serve yourself. If you can't serve yourself, you can't help yourself and you can't help others. Yeah. Understand that that's very clear. And if you're in business and you're worried about, you know, giving yourself a benefit, paying yourself first, if you're worried about, you know, um, earning money, for example, in a Northern Ireland culture, oh, I earn money, I'm a bad person. Well, the reality is you can't create a business or serve people without earning money, you idiot. So you have to strip it back down. And, you know, when you are, you imagine this, you wake up every single day, you're doing stuff that you love, and you've created solutions that you have packaged in, services, products, promises, whatever it may be in your business, and you're selling and there's exchange. The exchange is cash, the exchange is money. And that fair exchange is whenever you have the ability to thrive and your self-worth goes up yeah. when you're waking up every day and you're going to a charter surveyor or you're going to work in an estate agent or you're going to work in a lawyer or you're going to work as you know something else and you're, you know you're getting paid like nine ten twelve fifteen pound an hour and you're going i don't value this work it's not in line with where i want to go and then your self-worth goes down and then what we see is the self-worth goes down 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 and we, we see all this hedonism come out so we get pornography we get drugs we get all this kind of stuff that pops up which
0: is impulsive behavior that's used
1: to mask up the lack of
0: self-worth can i just you, talk yep, about, so um what i want to share with the listeners is is it's exactly 12 months today where i sat down with phil and we had a conversation and we talked and we talked about what was going on and business had been booming for me and he actually he actually uh he made me question was university for me at that time the right thing and uh if you're listener's podcast, you'll know that I've went through a mad journey you'll know that i've uh I became a better ben and uh i I just feel a lot more fulfilled and that all came from at that current time I'll be pretty honest, so I was working with a guy and i I'd been working with him now three months and he uh on the New year's Eve he turned around and he said to me um ben, I feel like committing suicide and I turned around and I said come on down, I don't know what you were saying last night, come on down, I'll I'll coach you. And then it was a week after Phil had basically made me kind of question what was university, that he turned around and he said, Ben, I wouldn't be alive without you. And that, that statement, him saying that to me, made me really realise that I have a lot of power. I can really help someone for the good because I enjoy what I do. As as you can see from Phil, the amount of passion he has towards this, I would say I do have a similar sort of passion in regards to training, nutrition, helping people. And since that decision, 12 months now, my business is booming. Uh, I'm a lot more confident I can get up and talk in front of people. Um, and that all came... What what sort of changed before was I was stuck and drained in something that I wasn't a part of. Now that yep. transition of leaving university, um, it, it scared the shit out of me and it, it was I acted very quickly on it because I knew that felt good in my gut. So like if there is something I could say to any listener out there, is if you're sitting questioning a thought, um take a bit of time out, all this self development stuff <laughs> It isn't waffle. It isn't shite. It really does make massive, massive impact. So have a think about what's going on. And if it feels good in your gut, if someone that you uh, that you respect kind of... I would never take someone's information for the gospel, but if they're making you question and you've already got that gut feeling, then 100%, just go for it and uh, go well, all generation,
1: in. It boils down to a very simple assessment when you have when you start finding yourself saying things like i have to i need to i should i might need to that's whenever you know you're not being authentic whenever you say i am that's whenever you have an identity and when you create an identity with yourself that allows you to have a vision that's inner and strong and when you actually look at it from the perspective like you talked about there about changing people's lives i do what i do because Every single episode in my career has been built brick by brick by the comments, by the changes in people's lives that I've made. And My sole mission in life is to is to gather and collect as many of those expressions and experiences that I can because expressions and experiences like that are what builds your self-worth. And, and every single individual that I work with, around 90%, because you can't help all people because sometimes people don't want to help themselves, I'll be very straight up and clear with that. On the majority, on average, because of where I am, I've improved a lot of lives. And a lot of people have said to me that I've changed their life. And that for me is my self-worth goes up. So when you build a career that's focused on something that you love, and somebody looks you in the eye and tells you with a tear of inspiration, you have changed my life, what what else do you want to do, when you're especially when you're getting paid for it and rewarded in fair exchange? And money is not The be all end all money is is simply an exchange mechanism. It's a cold hard exchange mechanism. I give you value. I improve your life. You add value back to my life by giving me a cold hard exchange. And when you build momentum with that through multiple products, multiple services, and especially if it's in line with something that you love, you never want to stop. I work from, I can work from five o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock at night. I'm an absolute horse for it. And people go, why are you so obsessed with your work? You're such a, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, money's not your God. And I go and look at all those individuals And none of them are doing anything inspiring. None of them are changing anyone's lives. And they look at my life and they compare my life to theirs. It's structured, it's organized. And they go, well, you know what? My life's not like this. I'm going to look at his and pick it apart. And the fact of the matter is, I'm improving people's lives. I love what I do. I know exactly what I'm doing with my time. And I'm getting well rewarded for it. Mm. And, you know, the money is just simply a byproduct. That's why whenever I, like, when I mentor people, like, even with you, like, I got you really knuckled down on focusing on service, really knuckled down on Delivery of content, adding value, getting trust. And you're now seeing that full circle come back to you. When you start focusing on money, all you want to do is make sales. Yeah. You don't have the customer or the, the individual's end problems in mind. You're really just agitating them and wanting to get the cash out of them and end to drop them and leave them. And I have worked with so many individuals that have done that earlier on in their careers. I have worked beside individuals that have had that mindset and mantra. And, you know, they all fail. You know, I, I I can look at a personal trainer. I can go on their social media account. I can go and listen to them talk. I can listen to the things that they bring up. And I automatically know within five minutes whether or not they're going to make it. Because you look at the first things that they talk about. Somebody immediately starts talking to me about money, Starts immediately starts talking to me about what car they drive, how much they earn per hour. I automatically think, you're trying to impress me with financial income because that is what is significant in your life. And, and you're not focused on service. And so... so you know, it's it's very clear to see that. You see it all as well on social media. I mean, the might have, like, dude, it, it, it's, it, you know, we were talking about this in one of a, a private mentoring group that I'm in. And, you know, you've got all these young girls, all these young guys now buying social media likes. It's very hard to differentiate between what's real and what's not real on, on, on Instagram. And like I said, connect the dots. You know, you're seeing females and guys with, like, 25, the like, same amount of followers as me and they don't do anything, they don't have a podcast, they don't have a book, they don't speak to crowds of people, they don't like, you know, have a voice or any clear vision. Yeah. And while there may be some circumstances where the guy or girl is really good looking and is showing maybe something that's maybe going to be valuable to somebody walking by and clicking like, understand that that is of not true substance and value from an entrepreneurial perspective. While it may be valuable for them at that particular moment in life, it does not necessarily translate into a business that's going to sustain your life likes and followers don't pay the bills so when i see people like you can tell a mile off when somebody's just bought likes and followers and you know there's so much stuff now with like instagram and stuff like obviously i have a business account so like instagram want me to pay like we spend like three four hundred pounds a day on advertisements um and like they want me to pay like they're not going to expose all my stuff and i get that and it really doesn't bother me because i know that the stuff that i'm putting out is adding value because of the messages and also because of the conversions that I get on the end. You know, I put a yeah. seminar on, I always fill it. Why do I always fill it? Because I put out good, valuable stuff. Yeah. You know, you can't fake that, you know, like we, we, like there's just just so much, the, the, the proof is in your results. And if you're jumping from impulse to impulse, talking about wealth, trying to get sales, just trying to focus on the end thing about wealth, then, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not sustainable. What I do, I'm all, sustainability is the most important word in my life. And, you know, There's been times in my life where I have done stuff that has not been scalable, And that's in business. That's also in relationships. That's also in loads of stuff. And it's very important that you ask yourself why and why did that happen? Um, What was the, the, the moment that you decided to act upon that? Why did you do that? And we question it down. Why, 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 what did that mean? And it always boils down to, I wanted to either be loved or I wanted to be significant. Phil, Uh, you see on that
0: important thing. You see on that point, right? A we've talked about self-worth, we've talked about how to build it. Um and then we're talking about significance here. So a common thing that I see is as you said, guys coming to the gym, guys trying to impress um, for that significance where would you say that what could they do to feel uh f- to feel that they're they're good enough to feel that they are um do you want the straight answer to that yeah the
1: straight answer to that is to make a lot of mistakes make a lot of fuck-ups and ask yourself how they served you um yeah. in my life i've made a lot of mistakes i'm no saint and you know every situation that has happened in my life that has caused an issue of negativity at the time for me or somebody else has always served me when I look deeper below that. And every single time I look deeper below that, and I understand why I get an immense sense of gratitude and that in turn brings my self-worth up and I can see both sides of the coin. The problem is most men are too proud to go deeper and probe and ask themselves, why did I do that? What did that mean to me? What what was the reason for that? And then they live in this whole either infatuation or resentment of a particular area of their life. And whenever they live in that, they're charged. And whenever you're charged, it, it, it goes the whole way with, you know, if you have somebody taking up time and space in your head, They'll take up your whole day. They'll affect everything. Well, That could also be a situation in business. It could be a relationship. It could be a business relationship. It doesn't matter. And you can also have an infatuation where you see nothing but positives and you you ignore the negatives. And you can do that in business. You can do that in real life relationships. And attaching yourselves to things like that, whenever you're governed by your emotions, you're screwed. Why? Because your emotions are impulsive behaviors that are bringing you instant pleasure. Uh, Nine times out of 10, people don't have a strong enough vision or they don't Love themselves enough. I know that sounds really corny to say, but when you actually love yourself and know yourself to the best possible degree that you can, then you can operate on your own terms. And, and so, so know, we could go into we could go into a whole go of things and consciousness and stuff like that. But so, you know, no one's no one's ever going to get to know themselves, Ben, because we live in a society that's governed by laws, that's governed by morals, yeah. and you know, not many people are willing to put up with you know true criticism
0: um let's let's go back to your head about five six years ago when you first sat down and you drew up the plan for the diabetes book so was there thoughts of uh, how is this going to work will it be a success can i actually do this um what was that sort of like thought process where you decided right i'm gonna gonna uh, go all in here
1: the diabetic was only about two years ago by the way um and long story short i was speaking on stage In an expo, and I came off stage, and there was a big queue of people. Uh, At those exhibitions, there's always a queue of people want to ask questions, and there was a lot of people with diabetes in the queue, and they all said, "You should do something. You should do something. You should write a book. You should do something. You should do something." Then the minute I walked off, I went, "You know what? Why don't I actually write out a guide for the younger me, but maybe just like twist it a little bit, not to cover just extreme bodybuilding, but to cover like you know really, you know, good health, strength, and fitness." Um, why don't why don't I do that? And uh, that's exactly what I did. And uh, I dedicated myself to writing it. I initially just wrote a book and then, you know, with being surrounded by a great peer group and investing in myself, I started to like people were like you know, like Phil, it doesn't just start with the book, you know, or it doesn't just, you know, it, it there's much more to it. And then I began to go, right, okay. Well, what else is there? So, like, I wrote the book, and the book's an absolute beast. It's, like it's a it's like an encyclopedia, And I can tell you now, writing a book is probably one of the hardest things that I've ever done, to sit and methodically go through such a clinical, uh, complicated topic and talk about it in layman's terms, despite running my own business. And I was still speaking. Like, it was last year. Like, I did 53 – I know this is not – but it's getting perspective on it. I did 53 seminars last year. 53 now there was like somewhere i was doing three or four in a day but like you know my schedule was pretty intense and and you you see
0: when that like when that all builds up i'm sure you're just like us and you feel overwhelmed and what do you do when you feel overwhelmed no
1: i mean i'm 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 very trained now to deal with stress um if you if anyone that knows me and sees me under a really stressful situation they'll be like why are you so calm I, I, I'm trained to deal with it because I've been through, you know, quite a lot of that and um, from product launches the whole way through to things feeling, um, you know, like I said, I've got a little bit of street smart, a little bit of book smart. And, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm if you know me, I'm a very inquisitive person. I always like to know the reasons why behind things. So like Ben, everybody in life is my mentor, not just like I have a couple of really, really, um, powerful educated incredible man in my life and also a female that 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 mentor me and in various different areas of life from mental development wealth building social leadership um you know like even even from the fitness perspective i mean you look look at my mentors in the fitness field they're all professors they're all authors that they're all people i've spoken on stage before and you know i've had the opportunity to learn from some incredibly talented and inspired people that are on a mission to either bring information or a service or some area in life to, to the forefront and, and help other people with it, but you know, in terms of like just to bring it back to the, the, the book launch and stuff like that, I mean, I wrote the book and then I started, we, we, we fragmented that out into a membership site, two other ebooks, we're about to look launch two cookbooks, and online coaching service. We've had like, I went to Canada like you know like three months ago four months ago uh to one of my mastermind groups and you know i put up a post and i was going to canada and like i was overwhelmed by the amount of dms that i got hey are you doing a seminar in, in in toronto so like Like, the diabetic book is, like, touching every corner of the globe, and we're getting it translated in Spanish, German, and French now. And, you know, to me, like, it has grown into a massive beast It's very hard to tame, because if you, like, our group, we only have 10 people a day in our Facebook group, because literally the engagement in that group is, is we have seven admins, and all the admins, believe it or not, are actually type 1 diabetic, but they all work in very high areas of the health service. So whenever I put, if you understand the whole ecosystem and back to the original point on value and service, I created a book that was not fulfilled in the marketplace and had answers that people needed to know. I put the book out, people began to read it, began to talk about it, began to spread about it. Then people in the higher levels of society, so the healthcare professionals that are governing over a uh, a lot more people below them are then starting to read it and pick it up. And then they're starting to pick it up and read it and give it out to more clients and starting to spread and spread and spread. And these people got value from it. They approached me and congratulated me on the value from it. And then I said, look, Hey, I've got a mission here. Like diabetic muscle and fitness is not all me. I want to bring it to the point where it's everyone. It's a community and it's a movement and it inspires hope and end suffering. That's my mission with it. So I want to be able to correlate. I want to, uh, you know, get congruent with, Anyone who's at the top of their field within diabetes management in order to collectively bring this thing together, you go in our group, people are posting up, my life's improved, my blood work's improved, I've got this, I've got that. Every day, there's an immense amount of gratitude in that for me to pick apart. And I don't look at that from a tap on the back perspective. I look at that from my mission is being complete. Next, next, next. I've never got ever, ever, ever have I got attached Anyone who knows me probably as well is whenever I achieve something in life, I just literally go good and then it's next. I don't I don't get elated. The problem yeah. with a lot of guys is they get elated with stuff. Yeah. You know, they get elated, they get elated in a relationship, they get elated in a business deal, and then the next thing, bam, something happens and they can't they they can't flip it. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you know um I, I've always been able to have 100 percent control of my emotions. You have to remember, Ben, this as well when you start to build your life and start to know yourself and you start to get higher up and you start to become more powerful and more of a leader, the margin for error is so much smaller. So whenever I make a mistake that people make every single fucking day, people point the finger at me and go, Oh, he's not the guy he said he is. now. he's the bullshitter. He's this, he's that. When I make a mistake, it's over amplified. Yeah. Understand? Yeah. So the ability for someone to rise through that and, you know, an incredible piece of advice for all you guys. If you want to become a leader, your leadership skill and your leadership level will be in direct proportion to the amount of challenge and criticism that you put up with. Yeah. And you know, as well as I do, like I've had some big criticisms in my life where like, you know, it's reached public levels. And I was able to transcend and move through that. That actually served me and moved me up. Yeah. You know, that was actually, you know, that incident with the BBC and all that kind of stuff that came about was, you know, me passing an ebook to somebody else that was over exaggerated to get customer reviews and clicked it yeah. and when you look at that that would have ended most careers yeah and then you got then you got to ask I got to ask myself the sheer amount of support that I got off that was overwhelming at a point in my career where I wasn't quite sure where to go yeah. so it got me back on track secondly as well they contacted me for a specific reason and they wouldn't have contacted me for a specific reason to put me on there to get a really dud result and yeah. just, you know, yeah. um, you know, put it up there. They, they did that because of my profile and what I was doing yeah. um, at that particular time. And, you know, they brought in a lot of clients, professional clients and stuff and tried to make a whole commotion out of it, which is a lot of people, actually because I did a lot of work with professional sport in the background. A lot of people don't uh, know that. Uh, it actually a separate case, but the reality was, you know, they paid taxpayers money to, you know, it was an absolute shambles of a TV program and I came out the other side of it, like, you know, far yeah. better. Yeah. Um, and then, man, so, um, so
0: would you say that, um, just staying strong individually through each one of these challenges, it would that be the way? Have, sh- yeah.
1: But I mean, then you understand that most men coil up and die. Okay. Okay. Most men coil up and die and they end up resorting into all the stuff that I mentioned, pornography, drugs, um, really loose relationships they can't commit they're afraid of getting hurt and they just try to do all this impulsive stuff to keep them afloat and that is i'm going to say it's true you have to go through periods in your life where you need to do that because you have to be able to discover why you acted what was your intent and when you begin to question it back because oh i just wanted proof of verification that i could do this i just wanted an instant pleasure because I could do this it sort of starts to tell you the more you do that in correlation to how you're living it sort of highlights the fact that you're not in line with your values and you need to reassess. And the fact of the matter is we live in a society now where people wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning, look at their social media, and compare their whole lives all day long until they go to bed. And their whole life is based on comparison and they never actually sit and stop and go, do you know what? I want to put the work in myself and build me. And I can tell you now, guys, it's not going to be easy. And no matter what any wishy-washy personal development guru may tell you because there's a lot of horse shit out there, Um, people promising big six figures, big seven figures, big fantasy dreams, big this and that. I've seen the people come through the other end of that, invest in that, and not get results. The fact of the matter is the only person that's in control of that is you, and most importantly, your environment. Now, a lot of personal development stuff will say that you need to work on you first, but let's be real here. You know, if you're training in a, in a gym where the gym manager doesn't like you or, you know, the PTs in there are bullying you or don't like the fact that you're charging more than you, it's very hard to change yourself whenever you've got an environmental, you know, barrier that's holding you back. It's a lot of waste of energy. So nine times out of ten, everyone needs to change their environment. And, like, I have an active purpose in my life where I constantly invite challenge. I thrive in challenge. And I know when I'm challenged or I'm struggling that I'm growing the most. And you have to go through the circumstances in your life and be able to develop them the other side to realize that and build a pattern. When you have the pattern built in your head that, right, this challenge right now is really uncomfortable. I don't like it. I don't like the the vulnerability that I have. When you actually know deep down that right, every past experience in my life where I felt like this is an opportunity for growth, I'm going to embrace it, I'm going to control it, and I'm going to move through it, then, you know, you just grow and grow and grow. And you have to remember, I mean, the only thing certain in life besides death is the fact you're going to get challenged. Everybody's looking for this fantasy life of, I just want to be happy. See if I hear, like, you know, see, how many people have said that and it's never come true, I just want to be happy. That's the most ridiculous, ludicrous statement that can ever happen. When you're happy, you embrace both negative and positive. It's unconditional love. It's in the center. When you want everything to be happy and everything to be on track, then you're living in a fantasy land. And When your reality, actuality doesn't live up to that, then you get signs of depression and you get signs of low self-worth and then people start to resort to all these impulsive behaviors to give themselves worth and then they invite more problems so it's like in the body inflammation breeds inflammation well you know you can see it also in your actual in your real life um and so if, i mean you, you know those are points i know i'm sort of scattering yeah. amongst a few topics here but it's very very relevant there's a lot of gold here if someone uh, guys if you're listening to
0: if someone here is more concerned in creating the best physique possible like you said about how you weren't happy and how you weren't it, it wasn't for you what would you say well let's be real here
1: right um how many times have you seen how many times have you bought i know you don't drive but the guys that are listening how many i times drive, you now? Like, <laughs> you drive now yeah. <laughs> Finally for, got you guys, it. for any of you guys out there that have bought a really really good car or something really really expensive materialistic yeah right um what's it been like a few months after you've had it yeah you don't get the same value you don't get the same value out of it. Now, do you understand that there's nothing wrong with building a great-looking physique, but when you build a great-looking physique, make sure you're building it from the perspective of, I thoroughly enjoy the training, I thoroughly enjoy the the, the challenge, and do you know what? If I was out of shape, I could still function and operate and be the same individual that I am. Because when you walk into a place and you attach your identity to your body, it's like driving into, you know, uh, you know, a city and attaching your identity. I'm driving a Ferrari here. Everyone look at me. Do you understand that mm. you're seeking the approval of other people? And that is not an inspired life because no one really cares. Yeah. yeah. The only person that cares is you because you're so busy looking around you and you want to have people recognize you and say, look at him. I put up a post on Instagram. I can't, um, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a clip from the, the film Revolver. And, you know, uh, it was about, like, you know, everybody's in it for the pat, the back, the golden badge, the who fucking rah and, you know, with that respect, you know, so many people are focused on that, and when you're focused on that, you know, you're not being true to yourself because you realize everybody lives in this fantasy of, you know, this perfect, happy world, peace, everybody's going to be loyal, everybody's going to be this. You know, that's that's deluded. Human beings only act from where they see disadvantage to more advantage, and the same can be said in a business relationship, the same can be said in a, an actual relationship. People's perceptions get imbalanced at times and or can be balanced fairly at times, and they just move, and other people have a, the fantasy and expectation that everyone should fit in line with what they do, and if they don't, they're a bad person or they're going to have resentment. And, you know, that can carry forth into business and everything else, um, but, you mm. know, there's just so much to take from that.
0: And, Phil, so, like... You've hit the guys pretty face on with a lot of uh, a lot of things that they need to go think about. But you see, right now, you said about how hard it was getting information. Would you say that if someone's listening to this, that they have a shitload of opportunity right at them right now, which they can go and employ, and they can go and really, like, if they have a thought in their head, they've got a business idea, they they want to start up their own fitness business. Like, would you say that? We are in a, an advantageous position to really go at
1: this. Yeah, very, very much so. I mean, there's endless opportunities. It's very easy to make money. It's very easy to create a business. But at the same time, we actually have reality whereby you've maybe got a family to feed. You've got a parent to look after. You don't have money to set things up. Um, but the reality is if you actually sit down, organize, and structure your life and look at what you're currently doing... And if what you're currently doing isn't serving you, but you have a greater goal, you need to fall in love with the thing that you're currently doing to then exit it at a point where you've saved your money, saved your resources, and build up the relative intellect to then make a jump and go and take the, the chance of what you're doing. And you know, the thing when it comes to chances and opportunities and options, I mean, you've got two. You've got option A, you've got option B. And option A is either stay the same or option B is do something different. And the reality is you're going to learn either way. So like now, I sometimes tend to be a little bit. You have to be a fast thinker, um, for decisions because so much stuff will pass you by. And I obviously a lot of those decisions will be will be built up on you know personal biases and stuff like that. But again, sometimes you just sometimes have to take perspective and think outside the box. That's a massive area. I'm not going to go into personal yeah, biases, yeah, 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 and yeah, subjective yeah. bias, and all that. Right, yeah. But um, you know, um, the way I always look at it is this: I, if I want to distill life down to this is make sure that you're doing something that's highly in line with what you love to do every day. You think about it, your life demonstrates, it. Uh, you, you surround yourself in an environment of predominantly high achievers. Hmm. And, you know, I, I split my, my social circle up and I did the all, I put myself all around high achievers at one point in my life. And what it did was it, it made me get very competitive. It made me get very overwhelmed and it drew me down a little bit. So now I, I categorize it into you know just thirds and I do well not necessarily thirds I mean I'm not gonna give you exact percentages but I hang around with people that are more successful than me. I perceive them as more successful. When I say they're more successful, again, like there's 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 loads of different areas of life. Just because somebody is very successful wealthily in their wealth doesn't necessarily mean that they've got good control of their emotions, doesn't necessarily mean that they're you know a good social leader. If somebody is very physically developed, It doesn't necessarily mean that they are good in relationships. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're good with their money or good good with their business. So you have to look at the areas of your life that you feel that you're struggling with and look at somebody who demonstrates exactly what you want to achieve. And when I say achieves exactly what you want to achieve, look at their life. Look at what it demonstrates. Mm. The success leaves clues and you surround yourself with people like that. You get ideas like, you know, um, like I got friends, like like, like Jamie Alderton and my friend Tom are coming over, and they're they're guys that have done really well in their business. Um, and we talk about business in certain areas in that particular element of life. Um, but then there's different people that I surround myself with who are maybe involved in uh, you know different areas. Uh, surrounding yourself in an environment like that, but also as well, I I I love to help people and people that I would consider as not as inspired or not as um, as focused as me, I love to inspire people like that and bring them up. Yeah. Um, Because it allows me, you have to remember whenever I, anytime I go and do a mastermind or or do a speech or anything like that, I'm teaching myself. Yeah. So whenever I teach that to somebody else, that's the best way to learn is to read and then go and teach. So whenever I teach somebody else and they put it into action, they see the result and I get to look at how, how did I word that? How do they talk about it? How did I apply that? What were the practicalities? Then I, I refine my own knowledge,
0: yeah.
1: you know? Yeah, yeah. And then there's people that are on the same level as me, and we are the ones that fight the most, critique the most, generate the most ideas the most. Um, you know, the guys that are on the same level as me. We all take the piss out of each other, but we love yeah. each other, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you I mean, you have to divide your social circle up. Um, social circle will have a massive influence on and family as well. Um, I mean, we could get into loads yeah. of stuff, uh, but, you know um as i said i've got some very exciting stuff coming up like personal development stuff for young men due course and just life planning stuff and bits and pieces and you know yeah it's you, you, you have to be well read in this area but you also have to be well lived yeah
0: 100 and nobody
1: and nobody wants to go and learn from somebody who has just done book theory everyone wants to go and learn from someone who's made the mistakes done it and you know book theory is essential i mean there's a lot of people that also jump in with experience but uh you know I think if you're going to get the most efficient and effective result, you need to have a a little bit of logic there. Um, So you need to have amalgamation of both. I call it street smart, book smart. And, you know, if you're all street smart, you're screwed. If you're all book smart, you're screwed. You need to be in the middle.
0: 100%. Phil, I am very uh, cautious of your time. So we'll sum this up. So I'm I'm actually
1: actually on another podcast in about three minutes. So, yeah. No worries. Phil, where can we find you? Yeah, just go to phil-graham.com. I'm actually in the middle of completely rebuilding that website, so uh, check that. Um, I'm actually rebuilding my own podcast, Lifestyle by Design. It's going to be called it will not be it right to the next three months or so. Um, you can find me on Instagram in the meantime. Um, there's a whole group of other like diabetic, osteo, fitness if you're diabetic and stuff. It's a whole community. But uh, like Phil Graham, just look me up on Instagram. Uh, work away there but there'll be a lot more stuff you guys will be seeing uh from the Northern island business anyway over the next uh, year or so so awesome yes, all good
0: my man awesome thank you i am very grateful for having you on and again guys i as i said I wouldn't be where i am without the help from phil so i would definitely recommend checking out his stuff checking out his podcast and getting involved in some of his up and coming seminars Thank you for coming on Phil today and if again any listeners have any questions about what we talked about, want any extra guests on etc feel free to just message me on Instagram.